Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Adrienne Delgado. I am your host of Nourish, Eat, Repeat, and I'm a registered dietitian. I own the company Body Metrics Health and Wellness Services along with my husband. And guys, it is probably one of the most fulfilling, exciting, thrilling, scary, nerve-wracking experiences I've ever been a part of. But I love every second of it because I get to help people. Not only do I get to help them reach their health goals, but I get to help them think about food differently and create positive relationships with food. You know, a lot of us have done different diets throughout the years. We've tried different things. And more times than not, we have never addressed the psychological aspects of nutrition and dieting. And so it is a pleasure and a privilege to get to talk to people about this and help them come to a place where they can feel comfortable around food. They don't have to be scared of it. They know they can trust their bodies. They can eat whatever, uh, whatever food they really want. I mean, honestly, give me a food and I'll work it into your plan. There's no foods that are off limits. And just having that, that safety around not having to create a list of eat this, not that can take a lot of the overwhelm off of the dieting process. And so if this is something that you struggle with, we would love the opportunity to work with you. Or you can just hang out with me every week and listen to these podcasts and learn and grow that way as well. You know, you have lots of options here, but um, I just want to let you know we are here to help. And uh, and again, what a privilege and an opportunity it is. We don't take that responsibility lightly. So today I want to talk about journaling. And I know I've talked about journaling before uh, in terms of why it's important, but I really want to tap into some different aspects of journaling today and how it has personally helped me in my own quest for for health. And so we'll talk about journaling in terms of nutrition in a second, but I just want to take a moment and uh, share with you a practice that I've been doing over the past, oh gosh, definitely, I don't think it's been quite six months, but I've been doing it for a while now. And it has come to be one of my favorite times of the day. And I do this first thing. So literally, I wake up and the very first thing that I do is I grab my Bible and I grab my journal. And I allow myself like anywhere between 15, 20, 25 minutes to just spend time on me and trying to fill my mind with positive things trying to work out some of the kinks or the sticky parts, uh, things that I've been struggling with, relationships I've been struggling with, conversations I've been struggling with, um, thoughts in my head that aren't serving me well. 
And I use this opportunity to just get it all out on paper and be able to work my way through it. And so I wanted to share with you my morning routine and what that looks like because I have found it to be not only calming, but so enlightening. And it has brought forth so many unhelpful thoughts in my head that I've had around food or my body or, or relationships. And it has helped me see where I'm able to step in and intervene and where I need to take a step back and just let things happen. I'm the type of person that I want results right away. Like if I make my mind up that I'm going to do something, I want to see the results of that. And my good friend reminded me that, you know, sometimes I carry a lot of shame around shoulds. Meaning I feel things should be a certain way. If I've done the work and I've done the process, then I should get a certain result. And when I don't get a result, I'm confused. I'm upset. Sometimes I feel ashamed about the lack of results. And she encouraged me to really journal my way through that. And it has been so helpful. So the journaling process, what that looks like for me is, like I told you, I I read my Bible every morning. I just read a chapter a day. I have a, a study Bible that I read along with each chapter that kind of helps me understand what I'm reading. Sometimes the Bible can be confusing. And then after that, I read um, a devotional and I pray. After all that, then I grab my journal and I do a couple things. So in the beginning, when I wanted to do the practice of journaling, I had no clue where to start. Do I just write whatever comes into my head? Do I try to find a book to help me? And I found something that helps in terms of what we call journal prompts. So there were seven things that, well, there's actually a long list of things that were recommended, but I just took seven things off of the list that I thought would be helpful to me. And so these are my journal prompts that I work through weekly. Uh, Number one, what are my goals? So at the beginning of the year, I write out a couple goals uh, professionally, personally, spiritually, um, as a parent, you know, what are the things I want to work on? And so every week there's just a check-in. How am I doing? Am I taking and am I making any forward progress or am I, am I falling behind? The goal is just to have a 1% progress. I don't have to master everything, but I do have to be working in the right direction. So I check in with my goals each week to see how I'm doing. Um, The second journal prompt that I work on is things that I'm proud of. And I don't do this because I want to be a prideful person. I do this because I want, sometimes I need reminders of how far I've come and what I've accomplished. You know, so often it's easy to point out all the negatives, the things that you're not doing right, the things that you're still struggling with, the things that aren't perfect. And when we fill our minds with all that negativity, that can spill over into our health and our eating habits. And so by devoting a little bit of time each week to, you know, what I'm proud of, what have I accomplished, small steps, big steps, it doesn't matter. I write them all out. And again, it's not to be like, oh, look at me, I'm so amazing. It's, hey, you're moving forward 
And that's great. That gives me encouragement. That gives me motivation. That gives me momentum. And so I write out what I'm proud of and, you know, things that we've accomplished and moving, moving forward. Uh, another prompt that I use is I wish this was different because. I wish this was different because this, this allows me to unload and dump all the things that I've been holding in my head, you know, for the week, for the day. And it allows me to access and really reflect on why do I want things to be different? And do I say I just want them to be different, but I really don't want to make changes because that can happen a lot too. I can wish for a lot of things to be different, but if I'm not willing to take action, then I have to be okay with things staying the same. And so it just allows me to sort out my feelings. Another prompt I use is I want to change this. I want to change blank. And then I figure out what is my role? What small step can I make to move forward? Another journal prompt I use is limiting beliefs. What are thoughts that I have about myself that I assume to be true that really aren't? You know, for so long, I just always thought I'm going to be an emotional eater. That's just who I am. I can't change that because it's part of my identity. And so I started to write down all these limiting beliefs, things that I thought I was with absolute certainty I would be able to accomplish or would not be able to accomplish. And it allowed me to question so much of our progress is unlearning past behaviors. When it comes to health, when it comes to our mindset, there's so many things that we just assume to be true because we've thought about it one time and therefore every action we do following forward is all about that, that truth or that untrue truth. And so my limiting beliefs allows me to look at uh, some of the things that I have just assumed to be true and, and realize maybe there's a different way. Maybe something that I've held on to that I thought for sure was true, maybe it's not. And what would that look like? And so it allows me to really reflect on those things. A prompt that I use often is gratitude. You've heard of gratitude journals before. Um, but when we put ourselves in a position to be thankful and to be content, it just melts away so many insecurities, so many doubts, so many frustrations, because we realize we really are living out of abundance and not out of want. And so gratitude is all about changing perspective. And when you can have a different perspective on something that you're challenged with, it means everything. And so I do try to take some moments and write down all the things that I'm thankful for so I can make sure that my attitude is in a place of, of um, positivity. And then finally, the last thing that a journal prompt I work with is self-worth. My self-worth comes from, or I am worthy because. I actually had a conversation with a client one time and she was talking to me about confidence. And she's like, I just don't understand. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't understand why I struggle with confidence. I do all the affirmations. 
I say all the things I'm trying to, you know, fake it till I make it. But for some reason, I always struggle with self-confidence. And she's like, you know, I tell myself I am worthy. I am loved. I am able. And so I just gave her a suggestion. I said, you know what? Next time you say the words like I am worthy, I want you to add the word because and then fill in the blank. And she's like, whoa, (laughs) that's a little different than just repeating a mantra over and over again. For me and me personally, when I start writing about my self-worthiness, honestly, I write, I am worthy because I'm a child of God. And that's plain and simple. For me, um, if any of you guys are like into the Enneagram, I am a full-fledged card-carrying member of the three group. And I live for pleasing people. Not for pleasing people. I wouldn't say that. But I live for um, performing for people, figuring out what they need, and then matching that need. It's all about what I accomplish and what I have done. I find my self-worth from those things. And so writing out that my self-worthiness does not come from any of those things, but just simply that I was born and that God decided that I needed to be in this world is an extremely humbling moment for myself. Because I realize it is not about what I do. It is not about, you know, how many likes I get on a social post or how many people attend one of my groups or what new program I develop, or how many people come into body metrics each week, or, you know, how my kids perform in school, like, that doesn't matter. That is not who I am. And that is not where my worth comes from. And so I actually look really, really forward to the day of the week when I have to write out comments about my self worthiness, because it is a time for me to get really humble and for me to realize where I am in this great big world. So those are the things that I journal on. Now, sometimes I deviate if I'm struggling with a certain thought or, you know, or I have a conversation or I read something that's inspiring and I, it kind of hits a little bit home. You know, I'll take a break from those seven prompts and I will write about something else. But I look at journaling not as a have to, but as I get to, I get to spend 15 minutes every day on myself, taking care of myself so I can take care of others. It allows me to take all those crazy, unhelpful, unkind thoughts out of my head and put them in a safe landing spot so I can make sure that I am healthy to take care of others. And so that's my practice every single day. I journal and I look forward to it and, and that's it. Now on top of journaling my thoughts, I also journal my food. And so I want to talk a little bit about that because, you know, when you listen to this podcast, you probably weren't thinking I was going to be talking about journaling the mindset stuff. You were probably thinking, oh, let's learn all about how to journal our food intake. And so for me personally, journaling is important for two things when it comes to our food. Journaling is a very powerful tool because it brings awareness and ownership. 
awareness is I didn't realize that I eat all these snacks in the afternoon. Awareness is I didn't realize I ate a snack after dinner every night. Awareness is, wow, I eat a lot of calories or I should say a lot of volume at breakfast. Awareness is looking at trends and patterns and habits and looking to see where are places that we can make improvement. But if you don't know you're struggling with a certain situation, you can't fix it. And so that's why journaling is so powerful. It brings awareness to our habits. Once people start writing down what they're eating, oh, they become aware very quickly. Because if they have to write it down, all of a sudden they start second guessing, do I want to put this in my mouth? If they have to do a 24-hour or a week food journal for me, they eat very different than if they weren't doing the journal because they're paying attention. And especially if somebody else is going to be looking at it, you better believe more times than not they're on their best behavior, which being on their best behavior actually produces results. It's not the fact that I'm looking at their journal. It's the fact that they're making the good choices so that they can put it on their paper and they can show me. But first and foremost, journaling is very powerful because it brings awareness to our habits. The other thing that journaling is really helpful with is it provides ourselves an opportunity to take ownership for our actions. I can't tell you how many times I see journals where people aren't completely honest or they forget, right? And sometimes it's unintentional forgetfulness, you know, if they're filling out their journals at the end of the night. Um, but sometimes they're at a party and, you know, I just don't want to have to pay attention. I just want to do what I want to do and not think about it. Or it's a holiday. I just want to be able to eat all my foods in the volumes I want, and I don't want to think about it. And so if I don't want to think about it, I'm certainly not going to journal it. Journaling is an opportunity for you to pay attention and to take ownership for what you put in your mouth. If you are not happy with your health or you are not happy with your weight, then we have to do something differently. But hiding is not going to be helpful. Hiding the truth never works. And not only are these people trying to hide the fact that they ate a certain food from me. So, you know, when that happens, it's very hard for me to be helpful when I don't have all the information. But the most important person they're trying to hide from is themselves. And when you try to be untruthful to yourself, it never works out in the end. And I realized that with honesty comes vulnerability. And again, I don't take that responsibility lightly. My job is not to judge. My job is only to help. And I think with, with being completely honest and vulnerable, we're afraid people are going to see what we're truly like and there's going to be rejection. You don't ever, ever have to worry about that at Body Metrics. That's not our job. And honestly, that's not your job either. Your job is not to judge. So journaling can be really helpful because it brings awareness to your habits, but then it also enables you to take ownership. And when those two things take place, then change can happen. But change can never happen without awareness and ownership. They are the prerequisites. So, so when you journal... 
obviously there's two different ways you can journal your food. You can either journal your food as you go, which can be really helpful because then you're less likely to forget what you ate. Um, the only downside of journaling as you go is you're whipping out that journal pretty frequently throughout the day. So some people like to journal on their phones or use an app. Um, some people just like to use a notebook, you know, whatever works. All right. Um, your other option is you can journal at the end of the day. So that means you're only pulling out that journal one time and you're able to just write down everything that you ate. Chances are you, you might forget something, especially if you're not paying attention. Um, but it's an opportunity for you to, you know, write everything down. And then the most important thing though, that I will tell you that most people forget is most people forget to look at the journal. Most people will enter their food in or they'll write down what they ate and then they will never look at that information again. And that is one of the biggest mistakes that you can do when it comes to food journaling. The whole point of journaling is to bring awareness to habits and patterns. But if you're not looking at the journal afterwards, how are you going to be able to identify patterns? You're only looking at a 24-hour period. You know, for me personally, if somebody uh, journals on something like my fitness pal, I immediately take it off of the day view and I look at the week view because I want to know what is the average of the week. What are your patterns for the week? Not just for one day. Anybody can have a good day. Anybody can have a not so great day. But what you do consistently over time, that is where results are, are made. But today, I want to actually introduce you to a third way of journaling. So not journaling as you go, not journaling at the end of the day. I actually want you to journal at the beginning of the day. So we're going to call this pre-journaling. And this is something that I do every single day after I do my mindset work in my reflection journal. I actually do them both in the same journal because um, having too many notebooks would get confusing and cumbersome. So I actually do this process called pre-journaling and I create a plan for the day. So I literally write the letters BLDS, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack. And I write out what is my plan for the day. When I'm writing out my plan, I'm thinking about where am I gonna be? Am I at work? Am I at home? Am I on the road? Will I be with friends? Will I be with family? What does that look like? When you pre-journal or you create a plan, the most important thing is you have your best interest at heart. When you create a plan, you don't create a, this shiny, perfect plan that you think is going to be perfect. You create a plan that's doable. You create a plan that you know you actually can achieve. Creating an unachievable plan does you no good. It just sets you up for failure and makes you feel worse about yourself. It's time we start creating achievable plans, things that we can see ourselves doing. So if you were to rate the, you know, rate the plan on a scale of one to five, with five being absolutely, I can totally see myself doing this. If you are not at, I don't know, a four or higher, then you need to rework your plan. 
And you need to make sure that the, you can see yourself doing the plan because creating a plan is all about creating trust in yourself. It's knowing that I know me, I know my situation, I know my circumstances. This is where I can push myself. This is where I need to give myself some extra grace. But at the end of the day, when you can look at that plan and you say, I followed it and I didn't deviate and I didn't go off course and I, and I did well, that creates momentum and excitement. We need to create a plan that is achievable that we can follow through. All right. So what I do every morning, like I told you, I write out my breakfast, my lunch, and my dinner. I know what I have in the kitchen. I know what I have in the refrigerator. If you need to do this in front of your pantry and your refrigerator, go for it. But honestly, this takes me, I don't know, 30 seconds at this point, two minutes. And I just write out what my plan is for the day. And then I'm able to look at it and see if all the major components that I want to be there are there. Just going to tell you, if you try to wing it and just hope it works out, hoping is not a strategy for weight loss. And hope is not a strategy for health change. If you want to make changes, you've got to put them in the plan so that they can actually happen. And I have so many people that never make a plan for themselves. They just go throughout their day and they have this idea that, well, when the situation comes or when the moment comes, oh, I'll make the right decision. I don't know, but that never has ever, ever, ever worked for me. When I just try to wing it, when I just try to go with the flow and, and think that my future self is going to make this great, happy, amazing, nutritious decision, I'm fooling myself. We always envision our future self as having so much more self-control than our present self, right? Oh, tomorrow I'm going to be able to handle all of that. Later on, I'm going to be able to make the best decision, even though historically I've never been able to do it before. But my future self, oh yeah, she'll be able to handle it like a rock star. You got to have a plan. You got to have an actionable plan, one that you can actually follow through with. All right. So when I create my plan, these are the things I look for. I write out my breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, if it works out for me to have one. And then I look to see, have I met my fruit and vegetable goals? So, you know, for women, we want to ideally have seven servings of fruits and vegetables a day. For men, that's nine. And you always want to be one up in vegetables. So for me personally, I need three fruits and four vegetables every day to make sure I'm meeting my nutrient needs. And so when I look at my plan, I actually start counting. Do I have three fruits? Do I have four vegetables? If I don't, I add one in or two in, however many I'm missing. The second thing I look for, you know, are my protein needs met? You know, am I averaging around 25, 30 grams of protein at each meal? For me, that's what I need to feel my best. I also do a lot of exercise, so I want to make sure that I'm supporting the workouts that I'm doing. Not everybody needs that exact amount, right? That would be a great thing to talk about with your dietitian to see what your specific needs are. But for me, I can look at my plan and I can quickly add up in my head, am I meeting those goals? If I'm not, I'm adding something in. 
I also look to see, am I balancing carbs and proteins at every meal? Am I making sure I'm getting those good energy, long and strong carbs, and I'm balancing them with protein? If I'm not, I add them in. I look at my plan. I assess, are all the nutrients there that I want to be there? You know, is it balanced? Can I follow through with it? And then I ask myself, do I need to pack anything? <laughs> or do any of these things that I put on my plan, do I need to pack so that way I can be successful no matter where I'm at in my day? I mean, more times than not, that's work. What do I need to pack with me? Sometimes I try to keep some food at work um, just in case, but more times than not, I'm packing every day. All right? And that's it. Literally, I spend maximum a minute doing this. Now, it may take you a little bit longer in the beginning because you just haven't had practice with it yet. But try it. See how it works. See how you do. See if you like it. See if you notice you make different decisions because you plan with your best interest at heart. You know, you can also look to see how many times do you deviate from your plan? Why? Is it because you were with certain people? Is it because it was certain times of the day? Do you need to add a snack, a pre-planned snack for a time that you see is challenging? Because every day you go off plan at four o'clock when you walk in the door. Well, if you don't plan a snack at four o'clock and you always eat a snack at four, don't you think it makes sense to include a snack in your plan? And if you include a snack with your best interest at heart, maybe it's a healthier one versus trying to tell yourself you can't eat and then grabbing the tortilla chips. Again, work with yourself here. Give yourself those wins. This isn't about restriction all the time. Sometimes meal plans is about addition. What do I need to add so that I can actually see results. So I'm gonna give you three action steps for when you plan, all right? So three things that have to happen when you meal plan in order for it to stick and to be a habit and for it to give you results. So number one, when you plan, it's gotta be easy, all right? We do not like to do hard things. <laughs> we all know that. So when you pre-journal, you know, what is the best way for you to stick with this? You know, is it using an app to organize your foods? I'll be honest, pen and paper works better for me. I don't have to worry about digging out my phone. In fact, I keep my phone downstairs overnight because uh, I don't want my phone to be the first thing that I look at. So I make it hard by putting it downstairs. All right, so an app for me isn't going to work. Or putting it on a note section on my phone isn't going to work. But for some of you, you have your phone with you at all times. So maybe that would be the best and the easiest way. All right. But it's got to be something easy and that is not cumbersome. That's not overwhelming. That isn't exhausting. Because then you're not going to stick with it. When you plan, the second step is it's got to be quick. Again, this is not meant to be a 25-minute experience. Two minutes tops, right? You write down what you're going to eat, and then you do a quick assessment. Are my fruits and vegetables there? Is my protein there? You know, do I need to include my water? You know, whatever is helpful to you. Do I need to add a snack? Do I need to take a snack away and put it somewhere else? 
All right, but it's got to be quick. This isn't something we're going to labor over for, for hours and hours, two minutes. The reason why I stick with this habit is because it's so short that it's not an inconvenience. And then the third tip for when you do your plan is you have to do a review. Whether you're doing that at the end of the day and doing it on a daily basis or at the end of the week. So how I assess my plan is I always look at what went well, what was challenging, and based off of what was challenging, what do I need to do differently? And you can either do this on a daily basis or you can do this for the week. Again, I told you the number one mistake with journaling is people don't ever go back and look at the journal. They don't look for the trends. They just write the same thing down over and over again. I mean, awareness is helpful to a point, but if it, awareness without action is not going to get you anywhere. And so you can look and you can see, you know, hey, I've been writing down that I've been low on vegetables every day. Huh, maybe I should put more attention to adding more vegetable-based meals to my plan so that I'm not writing that same thing down over and over. When you do your assessment, your job is to be honest. There's no point in lying to yourself. Again, not helpful. Your job is not to judge yourself and to start inserting negativity into your assessment. Ugh, you always screw this up. You're never going to be good at that. That's a limiting belief, by the way. Right? Your job is just to assess. Pretend it's not even your journal. Pretend it's some random stranger that you're just looking at and you're making notes. I noticed that you're really good at this and I noticed that this thing is something you struggle with. You take the drama out of it. You take all that negative energy out of it and you just state facts. That's what assessment is. It's fact-based. It's not emotional-based. When you're able to take the judgment out, you're actually in a better frame of mind to make better choices. All that layer of judgment and guilt does nothing positive for you. So take it away. Don't fall into that trap. Tell your brain, we're not doing this anymore. We're doing it a different way. All right. So those are your three tips. All right. Again, one more time, I'll say this. It's more important to have a plan you can execute than it is to create the perfect plan. It's so much more important to create a plan you can execute. I mean, listen, I'm not even going to sit here and pretend that I've never struggled with this because I was the queen of spreadsheets. I had the multiple journals. I had the spreadsheets. Microsoft Excel was my friend. I know we've you know, graduated to Google Sheets and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm still, I still want to use my Microsoft Excel, right? I used to have it all laid out. It would be so intricate. I had everything calculated because I thought that's what I needed to do to see success. And I'll tell you, the second it got hard or overwhelming or just took too much of my time, I quit. And I'll be honest, I didn't quit like on day 47. I quit on day three. We have to do things that are going to motivate and keep us moving forward. 
not do things that are overwhelming and make things hard and give us another reason to quit. All right, so that is your challenge. I want you to pre-journal and I want you to see how it works. And then I would love, love, love for you to comment or to reach out to me and tell me how it went. Tell me what's working, what's not. What are you, what have you noticed? What are some changes that have come from from pre-journaling versus journaling after the fact? All right. So, you know, this is really important to me. It's important that I share with you things that I have found to be helpful or some of my clients have found to be helpful. Um, and again, we're here to help. Uh, I'm actually really excited in a few, um, actually it's available now. Uh, I'm in the process of creating a program called Diet Rehab. And it's a 30-day mindset challenge where you get daily videos for 30 days along with a workbook that you um, can journal your thing, journal your intake, journal your thoughts. I give you different things um, to journal about every day. And what it does is it really challenges your mindset around food, around nutrition, around your body, around health. And it allows you to come out on the other side with a healthy relationship with food, a healthy relationship with your body, um, but also creating integrity and doing the things that you want to do to get the results you want. And so if you're interested in that, you can just go to our website, uh, which it will be, depends when, you know what, I'll still give you the old website, bodymetricspa.com. We're actually going to be in the process of switching that over. And our new website will be bodymetricshealth.com. So you can go to either one, see by the time this airs, we should have the new website up. So actually go to bodymetricshealth.com and go to our program section and you'll see diet rehab listed. All right. And that's a, that's a program that you can access at any time. Um, it's not a live program, but uh, I think it's going to help a ton of people. It's time for your recipe. And today we are going to, uh, give you one of my favorite recipes. Actually, I enjoy it because it's light. Um, but it's also, um, showcases some of my favorite spring vegetables. It's actually called spring celebration soup and it comes from the cookbook simply in season. Um, I love this cookbook because it's all about, um, produce and the different seasons, times of the year, especially having a garden, you know, you know, there's some days you have no asparagus and then the next day you have all the asparagus. You just never know. It's so dependent on weather. It's not like you get a steady stream of produce every day. Sometimes it's feast or famine. So this cookbook is great if you're a gardener, um, if you have a surplus of vegetables at any point and you're not quite sure what to do with them. Um, I highly recommend this book. So again, the recipe today is a spring celebration soup. Uh, for this recipe, you're going to need two cloves of garlic minced, a third of a cup of green onions, one cup of carrots thinly sliced. Oh, let me back up there. That third of a cup of green onions, you want to chop them. So start over here. Two cloves of garlic minced, a third of a cup of green onions chopped, a cup of carrots thinly sliced, one cup of asparagus chopped, two cups of either chicken broth or vegetable broth, two to three tablespoons of lemon juice, an eighth of a teaspoon of salt, half a cup of spinach, 
and two to four tablespoons of fresh parsley chopped. This recipe, honestly, it comes together so quickly. So I think it's going to be one of your favorites too. So in a soup pot, you want to saute one tablespoon of olive oil um, and the garlic for about a minute. Usually I tell people when you're sauteing garlic, you know you're ready to move to the next step when you start to have that wonderful, glorious garlic smell fill your kitchen. So once it becomes fragrant, then you know it's time to move to the next step. So you're going to saute that garlic in some olive oil for about a minute. And then you're going to add your green onions or scallions, whatever you want to call them, and your carrots. And you're basically going to just saute them for about five to seven minutes until they're soft. Next, you're going to add your asparagus and your broth, your lemon juice, and your salt. And you're basically just going to let that cook and simmer until the asparagus is just barely tender. So you want it to have some integrity to it. You don't want it to be overly limp. Um, so about another three to five minutes. And then finally, you're going to add your spinach and your parsley. You're just going to stir that into your soup for about one to two minutes until it begins to wilt. And then if you want, you can even garnish with fresh basil or you can put a little bit of um, grated Parmesan cheese on top. And that's it. It's simple, it's quick, it's easy, it's tasty. Um, now again, if I were to eat this, I would be balancing it with some protein, but it checks off a lot of boxes in terms of produce, in terms of feeling good, giving you healthy, long and strong carbs, veggies, all the good stuff. So I hope you enjoyed as much as we do. All right, guys, that's all the time I have for today. Thank you so much for listening and um, I'll see you next time. Right, take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at bodymetricshealth or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.